welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. I'm your host, Heidi E. Wilcox, bringing you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep need. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Deanna Lynn and Christina Osborne. Together, they authored and Ghostro integrated Living Beyond the Sex Trade. In a previous episode of Thrive, Deanna shares her story of how she overcame her traumatic upbringing that eventually led to escaping a 10-year career in the sex industry. Upon exiting the industry, she found refuge for women, a place she can heal specifically from the trauma of exploitation. After graduating from their program in 2012, she earned a master's degree from Asbury Seminary and has authored two books. The second, Integrated, I already mentioned, and the first is Purchased, Leaving the Sex Trade. Each book details a piece of Deanna's story. Christina is also an alum of Asbury Seminary as well as Asbury University. She now serves as an associate pastor at Embrace Church in Lexington, Kentucky. In addition to fulfilling her pastoral calling in the diverse and loving community of Embrace, she also lives out her calling to be a storyteller for the kingdom through her own original music. She processes and proclaims her faith in a singer-songwriter style, which is vocal and acoustic-driven, layered with both scripture references and personal experiences. Her most recent release, Once More Arise, explores topics including Eucharist, rest, waiting, and lament. Christina also partners with others, as she did with Deanna, to share their stories through ghostwriting, and she shares the story of God as a preacher and speaker in gathered worshiping communities at retreats and conferences. In today's conversation, we talk about Deanna's new book, Integrated, Living Beyond the Sex Trade, Christina's new EP, Once More Arise, how Christina and Deanna's lives intertwined so that this book became their next right thing and what it means to engage in practices that help us live integrated lives so we can be truly free. Let's listen. Thank you guys so much for being on the Thrive Podcast today. It's really a delight to have you both here. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Thanks for bringing me back. Yeah. So why don't we just start and have each of you introduce yourselves briefly so people can recognize the voices that they're hearing because they can't see your lovely faces like I can. So, uh, Christina, can we start with you? Sure. So my name is Christina Osborne, and I am an alum of Asbury Seminary. I actually met Deanna here on campus, and um, I am currently serving as an associate pastor at Embrace Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Awesome. Deanna, tell us a little bit about you, and welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Thank you. Uh, My name is Deanna, and um, I am a graduate of Asbury Seminary, class of 2017. My husband is also a graduate. Um, In 2018, he graduated. He is a chaplain at a hospital, and I have recently become a mom of twin girls and uh, have gotten to author two books. Awesome. Yes. So for our listeners who didn't listen to your first episode, they can go back and listen to it. We'll list it in the show notes so that they can easily find it if they'd like to know the the first part of your story to kind of join that with what we're going to talk about today. So how did you guys, how did you guys meet? Sure. Um, so, uh, <laughs> 
Christina, actually, I got to work on the health and wellness team since about 2014. I think about December of 2014, I had been on the campus health and wellness team, and she um, was one of my clients. And those relationships are, are very, very dear to me because it, I honor the trust that people place in me, not only with like their physical care, but any other things that come up while we're in there. And, um, and that trust ended up going both ways as I was doing this journey to writing this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really had never had a personal training relationship before, was really nervous going into it. And For sure. Deanna is just so great at setting people at ease and has this spirit of hospitality. Um, and so I, I quickly felt like I could trust her, not just with that journey, but, um, you know, we shared parts of our life during training. And it was actually a while into the relationship that she mentioned she was writing a book. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And the day that she kind of asked me to partner with her, I was like totally taken aback because as far as I knew, she had no idea that like I would be interested in doing something like that or that I would even have a skill set to do something like that. And so when she asked me, I was at first really shocked and then really honored. And it obviously felt like a God thing to me because she didn't know that information. Mm-hmm. And she had said the same thing that God kind of like highlighted her, I think is what you said, mm-hmm. or highlighted me to you. Mm-hmm. So why did you decide to partner together? Like if you didn't know her skill set, Deanna, like how did that come about? So my book was actually in editing and she had sent it back and uh, the editor had sent it back and had said that I needed to... Um, she wanted me to explore a type of creative writing to help bring people into some of the scenarios. And while I am good at giving people the facts, I didn't really know how to communicate everything that I was feeling, let alone, to be honest, I don't know that until Christina, I really connected to some of the feelings that I felt. And so I just remember like feeling like I was supposed to bring it up to her. And the reason I did was because I felt like I could trust her mm-hmm. with the details of my story. Mm-hmm. And I just asked if she would be interested in maybe like rewriting some of the scenes in each chapter. And then the Holy Spirit just unleashed a whole other something mm-hmm. while she did that. Yeah. Yeah, it was really surprising and honoring, but also the Holy Spirit has just been present in the whole process. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to kind of like look back through my own life and recognize like, oh, these are experiences that maybe prepared me to to recognize this kind of gifting in mm-hmm. myself. And like I was, as a kid, I would write my own poems and then like make anthologies and, and bind them together and then present them to my family members. Like, <laughs> I always wanted to write a book as a kid and I sat down and started so many times And I would like get the beginning of the story and then I would lose steam and I'd be like, I don't have a whole story idea. So like the idea of helping somebody else's story come to life has just Mm -hmm. been like really beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the Lord has been preparing me for that and giving me a love for that. And I didn't know until Deanna. (laughs) That's awesome. I love how we can look back at our lives, especially I think often it's related to our careers and we can see like see those giftings in what we like to do as children. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You have described yourself as a storyteller for the kingdom. Like, obviously, this gift was a long time Mm -hmm. coming. How did you actually recognize to come to call yourself that? Because that's part of knowing who you are. Yeah, that really has come out of this relationship with me. Really? Yeah. So I knew that I was a songwriter. I would have told you I was a songwriter before I met Deanna, but it was through this process of 
um, kind of entering into her story with her and, and seeing the Lord just like breathe new life into the story and our relationship mm-hmm. that I really realized it's not just me telling my own story. It's not just me telling God's story, but like story is a big part of mm-hmm. who I am and mm-hmm. how I've been created to exist in the world. Mm-hmm. And so even at Embrace, um, during the pandemic, we were looking for new ways to tell people stories. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was really passionate about doing. And so I got to work one-on-one with lots of different individuals in our community to help them prepare to share their story at an outdoor gathering we did weekly during the summers. Um, and so like working with Deanna like, sparked these different ideas in lots of areas of my life where I was able to say, so what does it look like for me to help people's stories come to life here? Yeah. And what does it look like for me to be honest about this part of my story or to make sure that everybody knows this part of God's story? Um, and so I feel like my call to ministry, I've gotten to do a lot of random things, and I mm-hmm. feel like I have a lot of different talents that the Lord has allowed me to kind of use at different points. And it's in meeting Deanna that I saw them come together under this umbrella of story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was able to say, oh, well, songwriting is a tool, and like biblical preaching is a tool, and now ghostwriting is a tool that the Lord has given me to be a storyteller for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love I love how excited you are about it, for one thing. Yeah. Um, I want to hear more about your songwriting. You released a new, um, is it a single? Extended it's play? actually an extended play. Okay. Eight. Yeah, there's six songs on it. Okay, awesome. And it's called Once More Arise? Yes, that's actually the title track on the album. And that one's actually about the Eucharist. So that's a, it was a really fun one to write. Um, I hadn't necessarily kind of tried to dive into classical themes before, um, a lot of it had been devotional, like processing through my personal relationship with God. And and I felt like um, when I wrote the communion song, it was something that I could share with like the wider community of faith. And mm-hmm. I actually was able to play it in chapel at the seminary at one point. Really? Yeah. Awesome. So that was neat. But um, yeah, so I released an EP when I finished at Asbury University. So probably five years ago, to six years ago now, I suppose. Um, and that was like my first professional release. And then... The Lord began putting a new one on my heart about a year before I met Deanna. Okay. And I felt like the Lord said, you have more story to tell. Like, I've given you more songs, and they actually fit together. And, like, I know that this is a passion of yours, and you should keep pursuing it. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, God, like, I'm open to that, but you're going to have to make it happen because (laughs) that takes money, and it takes time, and I don't have a lot of either of those things. And so then I felt like he just started opening doors. And actually, that was one of the really um, honoring parts of working with Deanna, too, is um, her, like, joy to be able to compensate me for this. So I'm a two on the Enneagram. Okay. So I'm a helper. Okay, I'm and a six. So, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So when she asked me initially if I wanted to help, my internal two was like, yes, help. That is exactly what I do. And so my instinct was to say, like, I'll just help. Like, you don't have to pay me for this. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I might have said that. I don't know. I don't know how we talked about money at first. I I felt like you weren't going to accept compensation. And so I was like, could I, like, maybe I could get her gifts. Do you guys, like, want some new running shoes? Or, um, but then she allowed me to invest into her own ministry. Right. So I felt like the Lord said to me, you need funds to do this music that I've put on your heart. Okay. Deanna wants to compensate you, like, allow these ministries to come to life together. And so that was really honoring for me that she wanted to compensate me and then really beautiful that the Lord like brought me to this place of recognizing he can fund both of our ministries. Mm-hmm. 
So it was because of your work with Deanna that you were able to release Once More Arise. Yeah, that was definitely a portion of it. Yeah. That's so cool. Deanna, you're really vulnerable in your books. And that's something I appreciate about your writing very much um, is your, your desire to help people. How is sharing your story with Christina part of the healing process for you? So when I started Asbury Seminary, it was really difficult because I felt like I'd finally come into this place in my life like where I could go after dreams that I didn't even know like existed or were possible. Um, but I wasn't really sure what to do with all that had came before me. And coming to a school where a lot of people had grown up in the church and I didn't relate to a lot of the conversations that were happening around the lunch table, it was it was quite the journey for me to understand like when and where to share different parts of myself. Mm-hmm. But being in the on the wellness team and getting to work with people side by side in their own wellness journey, you know, as a holistic practitioner, we look at, you know, the body, the mind, the spirit, um, everything that goes with. And so being able to have people be vulnerable with me, it was just an, an honor to to realize like, oh my goodness, like some parts of my story actually would be helpful on campus because people, you know, as much as I, I'd love to say that every student came in sanctified, um, like I had went to the refuge for women before coming to seminary and I realized that Asbury Seminary was like a refuge for a lot of people here. It was mm-hmm. where the transformation started happening. It was where God started pruning and shedding all the dead wood that wasn't going to be fruitful in their ministry. And so because I had already gone through that process, I was able to share that with other students. And I just appreciated Christina's authenticity, her her heart. Um, and I felt like like she was somebody that I could bring in because she was so authentic and and trustworthy. And mm-hmm. that's you know that's really hard to find somebody with like that that sweet of a spirit. And um, I knew there wasn't going to be any judgment or anything. And you know her being a songwriter, like I like like I feel like my life is a song back to God. And so I knew that she would do something beautiful with it, um, even though I didn't have all the pieces yet. I just was like I took the next step. Yeah. What is the ghostwriting process like? Well, the first book um, in, in Purchased, it was like, oh, gosh, I, I can't even describe. So I would send her, you know, the chapters and I would highlight, okay, I think this scene, I think this is the scene that I really uh, want p- to bring people into. And she would just pray and send me something back. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I experienced. Or, oh my gosh, you described that person exactly, somebody she had never met before. Wow. And I was like, like, how, how is this possible? Now, for the, for the first book, typically like a ghostwriter, somebody who remains anonymous and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, and, but like, I really wanted to honor her. I just wasn't sure with my first book being so, not necessarily explicit, but a pretty heavy topic mm-hmm. and her doing her songwriting. I wasn't sure if that was a good decision to be like public with that yet. Mm-hmm. But by the time we got to the second book, I was like, I want to bring you in from the beginning and uh, and I want to honor like the work that she's done in bringing this story to life. And so that's that's what it was like for me, but yeah, so the process was really um beautiful is the best way I could describe mm-hmm. it. And the Lord just kind of like walked us through it. I think neither one of us knew what we were doing. It was a first time <laughs> thing. So, um 
I would, I would just pray a very simple prayer. I would center myself but when I opened a chapter that she sent me and I would just pray, okay, Holy Spirit, give me insight. Give me mm-hmm. insight into what mm-hmm. she experienced and what she felt and, and what this did to her because um, I wasn't there, but you were. Mm-hmm. And so every every time I encounter a mm-hmm. chapter Deanna has spent some time with, that's where I start. Um, and I, I feel like the Lord does give me insight. And, and as I kind of read some of the facts and the words that she's put together to, to tell the story, um, I feel like the layers of it just sort of unfold mm-hmm. before me and it turns into a finished chapter. Yeah. So. The other thing that's really helpful about having her involved is, you know, somebody who doesn't have a background like mine may not understand like some of the slang or the terms or, you know, something that makes sense to me because I've been in recovery for so long, mm-hmm. you know, phrases and um, I don't want to say cliches, but are like one-liners and stuff may like completely be lost on an audience that's not in recovery and so like she would send things back like I'm I'm not really sure where you're going with this (laughs) and or I'm not sure that this is even necessary it's distracting from the point and I really needed someone to do that because for me I just had to get it all out on paper and then I needed someone else to come alongside and say okay here like let's keep this part Mm -hmm. and and the rest is important but maybe for a blog Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah yeah yeah, and then I think the second book was a little bit different process, too, because I came in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we actually also were able to kind of talk together about, like, what the progression of the book was going to look like. Okay. So I think you had a first chapter initially that is now chapter, like, six seven. or seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go straight in um, to, like, to something that is, like, what I would consider somebody's, like, worst fear with a story like mine. And I wanted to go straight in and and then kind of unravel the book from there. And also, I really kind of like the show This Is Us and how they, like, go in and out of different things. But she was like, you know, what if we just start, like, a, a little bit sooner than that? <laughs> yeah. and, um, and so I'd be like, okay, this is chapter one. And I'm like, nope, that's chapter four. And <laughs> so, yeah. So you kind of had a ghostwriter and editor all, uh-huh. all wrapped into one. Yes. <laughs> Some of the, and you guys in the book, you guys have, I'm going to say you guys because you're co-write, not co-writing, but you know, you're in the process yes. together. Yeah. Some of the struggles and formational events, Deanna, you talked about realizing they're healthy parts of maturing and not necessarily all the results of trauma and brokenness, although some, yes. Mm-hmm. But I just know in my conversations with you, because we're friends off the podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm learning that too. Like I'm struggling to do this or listen to God's voice more or to be kind to my husband sometimes, you know, <laughs> you know all the things. Um, and so, so many students and people in general, I think, I'm not the only one who struggles with school relationships or basic life skills. So, Christina, since you didn't come from a background like Deanna's, what are some ways that you could relate to Deanna's story or the principles in her book, even though even though your lives before now were different? Well, Deanna just does such a great job of being really vulnerable and open about she does, her own she? internal process. Yeah. yeah, And so I think that's a gift to anybody who reads the book um, because— not very often do we find someone who's willing to sit down with us and say, like, this is what happens inside me when I face blank in life. Yes. And I think that is a gift, um, and it's something that we all need. And so because those internal processes are similar no matter what our backgrounds are, yes. I think anybody who picks up this book can really benefit from um, – she focuses a lot on what it looks like to have healthy relationships all across the spectrum. So mm-hmm. female friendships, what does it look like to en- 
have a healthy relationship as a single woman talking to a single guy? What does it look like to have a healthy engagement and marriage? And then how does it look to operate professionally in a workplace? Mm -hmm. And I mean, all of those are questions that, like you said, are a normal part of maturing. And so I would read chapters in this second book and then I'd email her back and I'd go, Deanna, I know that this is like your story. And so these details feel specific to you. But I got to tell you, this made me think of like this thing that happened in my life. Yes, for sure. And everything you're saying is spot on. And so I feel like her focus on relationships and then also her focus on like needing to grow, not just specifically through her own types of trauma, but through um, kind of like trigger points, which I feel Mm -hmm. like we all have. We all have trigger points. We all have our own um, ways that we believed our life unfolded that like that was our perception and not necessarily reality. Mm -hmm. And so we all have things we need to work through. I think we could all benefit from therapy too. And so just the fact that like Deanna makes that normal, like normalizes for the Mm -hmm. reader that you can experience these things and work through them and like Mm -hmm. grow and be integrated on the other side. Um, I could identify with a lot of things and I think other readers can too. Yeah, same here, same here. In our first podcast conversation, Deanna, um, like I said, we'll link it in the show notes. We were talking about your first book, Purchased, Leaving the Sex Trade, your recovery process and the healing journey to hope and redemption that you're on right now and that we're all on our whole lives. Why was now the right time to write Integrated, Living Beyond the Sex Trade? Integrated was actually the first book that I wanted to write. Really? Um, I, I find that so interesting. Yeah, um, I wanted to tell people what life looked like on the other side. But the thing is, in order to have the credibility with the audience that this book is is meant for, I needed to be able to relate to what they had been through. And so that first book, you know, there's a lot of books on the market where like you just read the whole book and you're like, do they make it out? Like, does she survive? And so it's like 90% like, like like the darkness and then it's like and they lived happily ever after mm-hmm. but i wanted to show people like what is happily like for me i call it what is happily even after look like in the everyday stuff because we don't just go from from this um from this life to the next without some sort of like kind of war in between and and so i think that like i i knew there was one piece missing from the book and it was how was i going to relate to myself and the world as a mother and it's not that that god had promised me children it's not that this was like the culmination of my Mm -hmm. healing but for for me um it was one relational aspect that i wasn't um it's it's one relational aspect that i had hoped i would get to see god um redeem considering the relationship that I had growing up. Um, So having two children and being able to see this part of myself come out, I knew that was going to be the final chapter of this book. Mm -hmm. You said that your healing didn't culminate Mm -hmm. in having children, but that it was, is a piece of your healing journey and that you wanted to prepare for children um, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So how, how is having children now part of your healing journey? So actually, when I graduated Asbury Seminary, um, I had started this process called the Ultimate Journey, and um, and I think that was I was a few months into my husband and I wanting uh, preparing ourselves to have children, and I realized, um, you know, like I don't I don't know how to connect with children, I don't know how to relate, um, and. 
Actually, I'm going to back up even further because yeah. this, is, this is pretty significant. Um, as I was getting ready to graduate Asbury, my past went completely public. And the way that the staff here had handled that was so beautiful. Um, but yet there was this part of me that was still very, very ashamed. Because it's one thing to tell somebody your testimony. It's another thing for it to be wide open for people to see your most demoralizing and dehumanizing moments. And so um, I remember thinking, like, uh, I, I was coming up as a notable alum with, like, all these distinguished gentlemen. And it was like some drunken picture on the red carpet. And I remember thinking, like, well, maybe this is prophetic. Maybe one day I will be a notable alum. Of, mm -hmm. And I don't even know if I'm saying that word. <laughs> you Why are. Why did I get a degree? Um, <laughs> but I, maybe one day I will be a notable alum to Asbury Seminary. And I felt like God was whispering, like, Tiana, like, you were notable to me then, too. And that was just this part that I really had a hard time reconciling. And so it's like, you know, when you go into the faith, you think, like, I'm just going to look ahead, forget what's behind. But the thing is, is God constantly asks me to remember what he's delivered me from. But um, but I was never able to connect with those parts of myself because I was like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so what I had to do when I was preparing to be a mom was start from the very beginning. And so I went through this counseling session where I held a baby doll and I had to connect with this baby doll as if it were baby Deanna. And I was angry and I hated her. And like all these feel like I was so blinded with rage. I couldn't even open my eyes. Like they were heavy with shame. And and but I just held on. And I everything that I felt everybody else felt about me coming into the world, I had projected onto myself. And so from there, I had learned how to go back and listen. What were you hearing? What were the messages you were receiving? And then as my adult self, I would write myself letters to every single age and and tell them like what I know now to be mm -hmm. true of God and myself and my life. Mm -hmm. And so while I won't make the same decisions that I made before, I can understand and have compassion and say, no wonder, no wonder you made those choices. Like we mm -hmm. don't have to make those choices today, mm -hmm. but thank you for trying. Yes. You did the best that you could. Yeah. And I'm so thankful. And I don't have to leave any part of myself behind anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're kind of reparenting mm -hmm. yourself yes. to prepare to be a wholly integrated yes. parent, a person, I think. Yeah. And so when my babies did come into the world, it was like every step of my process, it was mm -hmm. it was quite a process, um, I was able to have compassion and be able to nurture them and be able to say, like, I love you. I We prepared a place for you. We wanted mm -hmm. you. Yeah. yeah. Why did you want children so much considering the relationship that you had with your mom because i think mm -hmm. i think it would have been really easy to be like i am married but i don't want children like i don't mm -hmm. i don't want this part why was it something you wanted so much family is what like saved my life it was it was spiritual family um some seasons it was it was my adopted family you know like my dad went through a lot of tragedy um in in raising us uh the, the one who chose to adopt us but he committed and he stayed the course and he mm -hmm. still stayed the course and he found god along the way mm -hmm. and you know we all found god and we all got some healing um but then after that it was like i found spiritual family and they included me and i saw what god's love could look like 
for the next generations to come. And so Matt and I, we definitely wanted to pour everything that God had given into us and raise up children that we could release to the world to be extensions of that hope and that grace and that love. Mm -hmm. And now there, there's an unselfish side and there's a very selfish side. Like the selfish side of me was like, I grew up not knowing like, what it was like to have people who looked like me. Um, I didn't have like biological relatives that stayed mm-hmm. in my life. So mm-hmm. the idea of like being able to have children and see a piece of yourself, I, I was like, gosh, what must that be like? Now, um, the other part was like Matt and I were probably like five to six months into into marriage. And, um, you know, and I, I had done some deep wrestling with my theology on like what it looked like to prevent having a family. And and then all the questions that came with like having a family and what that looked like for us. And I really wrestled, but we waited um, to make sure that I could go into this transition mm-hmm. um, healthy mm-hmm. um, so I could bring a healthy mom to the best of my ability, mm-hmm. you know. And so about six months, like Matt and I just love being together and just we're like, we're friends, we have fun, and we could totally see ourselves just doing whatever we want for the rest of our <laughs> lives together. We were like, if we don't start planning a family now, like, like we're going to become severely, like, introverted, like, and I don't want to say having, not having children is selfish, but we felt like we were just going to be completely self-focused if we didn't start the process of pouring into the mm-hmm. next generation. Mm-hmm. And for us, that looked like you know, seeing if having a family of our own was possible. But there's many ways to do that. Yeah. Dean, I know that your and Matt's journey to having children wasn't the easiest. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, So like I said, about, uh, I want to say maybe six months into marriage, um, I felt released and Matt felt released to just say like, okay, like let's let's prepare ourselves Mm -hmm. for having a family. Um, We didn't want to force anything. But we wanted to make sure that we were healthy and that we were going into it with our eyes open, especially considering like, um, you know, in my past work, having not been pregnant before, kind of wondering like, what did that mean for us? And now Matt and I had talked when we were dating about like, you know, like, did you want children? Do you like children? Um, You know, all of those conversations. And I had brought up the fact that like, what if I can't have children? What Mm -hmm. would that look like for us? And so we had hoped to, um, me being somebody who's been included in other families, and I kind of just like collect people along the way, and I'm yeah. like, we're doing this life together you forever did. now. <laughs> you collected um, me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I take people with me on the journey. Like everybody's so significant. Um, and yeah, just inclusion. Inclusion is so important. So what does it look like to to include people in, in our family? And so one of the things that we had talked about was maybe having um, a place where we could we could host children of women who wanted to go through the refuge because mm-hmm. so many people don't get out of the sex industry because they're trying to take care of their kids and they don't have safe family for them mm-hmm. and they don't want to put them in the foster um, program because of things that had happened to them mm-hmm. and um, and so we want to be a safe place but we were like well where do we start now me being in my I, I want to say like mid to late thirties. Um, what does it look like for us to have a family at, at this stage? And so we found out that we we were going to have a lot of struggles, and um, and so we had gone through the process of you know taking different medications and trying different procedures, and um, all the way up until we we started the IVF process. But 
One thing that was really important to us was making sure that we weren't ungrateful in the season that we were in now. Mm -hmm. So just because we had future hopes and dreams, and like I said, God didn't promise me a husband. He didn't promise me children. Like every promise he made was a yes in Jesus. So we could be grateful in our presence um, while still going after the things that we were like, well, God, is is this part of our plan? Um, Is this part of your plan? And, and what's our part in that? Because for us, um, being still and knowing that he is God didn't mean inactivity. Mm-hmm. It just meant being okay with, with what his answer was. And so we were prayerful. We celebrated each step. Um, we took time off to make sure that our marriage was still good mm-hmm. and strong in between each next step. And um, and, and we're so grateful that we did that. And we, we didn't end up um, bitter and resentful. Not that those are invalid feelings at all. It's a it's a very hard place to be. Yes, it is. It was just important for us to to stay joyful on the journey. Yeah, yeah. Christina, do you and your husband have children? We do not have children. Okay. So that was actually a really interesting part of working with Deanna on Integrated because the later portion of the book does kind of talk through this journey that she was on. And again, I felt like it was incredibly applicable and helpful for me as somebody reading her journey even not having kids, because I learned so much. And it gave me the opportunity (laughs) to have compassion for people going through infertility and and Mm -hmm. struggling with that. And I even recently was having a conversation with someone who was sharing that they were beginning um, a journey to do, I think it was the IUI procedure. And I was like, I know what that is. Like, I know where you are Mm -hmm. on your journey because of like reading Deanna's story. And, And so I just felt like the first book that she wrote, you know, gave me the opportunity to, to learn how to be compassionate for women in the sex trade when, you know, in the past I would have been like, they chose that life, you know. Mm -hmm. I would have had some of those same feelings that others um, might struggle with before they really know a story like Deanna's. So I grew compassion in that way. And and then she invited me into a new kind of compassion through this integrated story um, by sharing very openly about the struggles in her healthy life, her integrated Mm -hmm. life, her family Mm -hmm. life. And so um, I was really touched and thought that that part of her story was beautiful and and I think even people who who don't come out with the answer that they're hoping for and they're not to a place of resolution on their timeline, I think there is so much grace and compassion and love that pours out of Deanna's story and the way mm-hmm. that she tells it. I think there's yeah. a lot of a lot of um, solidarity that can be found there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Deanna's story, she the way she tells it, she makes it so relatable mm-hmm. to other people. Um, you talked about this in your book. The things that you had to think through as you consider different kinds of fertility mm-hmm. treatment. And I know that different people have different sure. opinions, but how did you come to the conclusion that each step was okay to move forward with? You know, I don't know that I will ever be 100% confirmed of what okay is. Yeah. And so for us, it was like we walked with God. Mm hmm. And, and that's what we could do. We did we did the best with the information that we had. And so um, to move forward, because it's hard, you know, you we think about things like, like there's already children born, you know, what like, and, and so Matt and I have to discuss like, what does it look like to be pouring into to God's other children? And some of those children are adults. Yeah, you've They're, said that to me before too. Is we've been talking about different things that everybody is somebody's child, and right. so you can have a different impact. Not to replace the joy of having children because mm-hmm. it is very different, yeah. but I just found that 
what you said, very encouraging. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we, um, you know, everybody is like, we can always help and love somebody. And, um, and I just, I just think of like those moms that, um, who took on the children of others, mm-hmm. you know, and again, that could be children, that could be adults, um, that are somebody else's children. But, you know, we, we had to think about stuff like that. And so, like I said, we paused in between each thing. It was like, okay, well, um, if any other part of my body was broken, like I would take medication. So our reproductive system's not working. Let's go ahead and take ma- medication mm-hmm. that will help restore it to what we believe was the original design. And it's mm-hmm. not that, um, you know, it, it's not that like we fall short in any way if we're not able to reproduce. But, but you know, God did make us um, with these amazing bodies to do these amazing things. And so I'm going to see uh, on this side of the fall, what is what does fruitfulness look like for me in this season? Like, um, does it look like restoring like some part of my body and, and bearing fruit that way? Or does it look like, you know, my body may not fully get restored, restored the side of the earth. So so we'll invest somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being okay each step of the way with with what God's answer was mm. and being honest about like what we were feeling, yeah. you know. Um, like I said, the joy was a big part of it. Celebrating others. You know, just because something's not happening for us does not mean I can't celebrate what God's doing in your life. Yeah, which can be kind of hard when you're not, when you don't have mm-hmm. what you really want. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I showed up to birthday parties and um, and I was able to host a dear friend's baby shower and and I fully enjoyed celebrating. It doesn't mean I didn't cry for what I was missing, mm-hmm. but I did not let that take me away. Um, and now everybody needs to grieve differently. Like some people may need to step back mm-hmm. for a season from some of those friendships. But um, for us, it was just partnering with God every step of the way and trusting that, you know, we just offered it up at the altar mm-hmm. and and he could sacrifice it or he could bless it, but it was his yeah. ultimately. Yeah. I'm thinking of the person listening, the woman or the man who they're in the middle of this journey mm-hmm. and they might be saying that is easy for you to say now because mm-hmm. your story turned out the way that you hoped it sure. would. But I know your story, at least what you shared mm-hmm. in the book. And I know that there were moments that you didn't know that it was going to turn out. And there were moments where you thought you were going to lose the mm. lose your babies. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that to that person from the place of, I don't know that this is going to work out? Yeah. Um, so th- this verse is, is um, I'm, I'm going to take it out of context and, and just let you know, like, what it meant to me in this season. Um, but, you know, when I was reading, like, the, this verse, it had said something about, I think it was David, who was like, I'm not going to offer a sacrifice that costs me nothing. And and I just think about that with my life, with any any part of my life. Like, it, like it's going to cost something. Like, it's not just... You know, like like what Jesus did for us, like it costs something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for me, it was like I just put it all on the altar and trusted God with the answer. Now, it didn't mean that it wasn't going to be painful and I wasn't always going to get a yes. And my relationship with God wasn't dependent on a yes. And, um, you know, like I said, I already had 
that yes in Jesus. Like he already fulfilled his promises to me. And I understood that I live in a now not yet mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And so if it if my answer was not yet, then I just trusted God with that and focused on what love required of me that day. Mm. And love required me to go to work and go to school and love the people in front of me um, while I was waiting. Mm -hmm. And so um, whether I was going to get a yes in the future or not, like my life would have continued to have um, fallen under that principle. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if that's not helpful or encouraging. That's just what helped me yeah. to, to stay in focus and keep my eyes fixed. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's important to recognize the only story we can tell is mm-hmm. our own, which I think you do yeah. that really well. And it was how you coped with right. the unknown and how you continued to trust and and with the with the maybe maybe not and to hold try to hold both with mm-hmm. open hands and knowing that that didn't mean that you didn't grieve for what you wanted or seriously long for mm-hmm. what you wanted and be disappointed and celebrate when it was good mm-hmm. you know all the things so yeah which sometimes, i think is part of it's, it's downright painful yes um, physically and emotionally yeah. i would imagine yeah yeah One of the things you said in your book talking about healing is a persistent willingness for deeper healing and growth has helped me, you were talking about yourself, Deanna, continue to live my life. It has not taken the place of actually living it. Um, So I'm curious for each of you, what does living integrated mean to you? Christina, you can go first. Yeah. So living integrated, I think, looks like trying to show up with all of yourself. And I, I think that's something that Deanna articulates a lot in the book is is just showing up is a big mm-hmm. part of um, Show up and grow up, I think. Is- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so to be an integrated person for me means uh, trying to grow in my ability to be present in the conversations that I'm having with people, to be present in the emotional distress I might experience in the midst of a conversation or an interaction and then to try to press into that and say where did that come from and and to always offer those things back to the Lord and and it looks like trying to allow the Lord to take the the gifts that I have discovered and that I'm still discovering and to use them beyond my comfort zone sometimes uh-huh. um, but just to be willing to trust him that you know he's he's given me what he has so that it can be stewarded and, mm-hmm. and he's going to provide for that and um, and I think it, it just looks like being willing to be honest about where I've been and where I am and where I hope to be going. And Yeah. Yeah. I'm in counseling right now. And one of the things that my counselor said to me is all of you is okay. Even the parts of yourself that you don't like right now, doesn't mean you're going to leave them that way, but you can like yourself even when there's parts of you that you don't like. Yes. Yeah. So Deanna, what does living integrated mean to you? Well, first, I'm just so excited that that somebody who has read and worked with me in this book like really gets it, uh-huh. you know, um, because I want people to understand that yes, like like being integrated is bringing your whole self to the table. Now, it doesn't mean we have to share our entire life story with every single person. As you can see, <laughs> not always the best thing um, when you read my book, but it does mean being willing to to hear what's going on without ins- inside yourself and to have 
that internal dialogue with yourself and with God and and be able to be accepting of the parts that are coming up and use those things when you would see that it, it is actually beneficial to you and the other person in, involved in that moment. And so for somebody with my background to come from a life where like I had to dissociate in order to cope and survive and become this other character that the that the world wanted me to be for their own personal entertainment to to go back and and and, and to go from that into a place of safety where I you know I can heal and I, I can be all of me but then go back out into the world and realize oh my goodness like the healing continues I can't go into a refuge every time something comes up so how do I stay so connected with myself that I'm not shoving any part of myself down mm-hmm. but that I can I can continue to move forward in the things that are in front of me and and still um, connect with those parts of myself and come back to some of those parts when it's not appropriate like you know maybe I'm at work not like maybe not the time to like start some huge healing process right then and there with my coworker who doesn't who doesn't need to know all of those facts, um, but I can be aware mm-hmm. and um, and I can go to the people that are in my life and say like, hey, this is coming up. Um, how do I how do I listen to this? How do I have compassion and how do I grow through this while continuing to move forward with what where God has me mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. So. I don't think I actually realized this until we were sitting here having this conversation. I love processing things out loud. But the music that I just released, in part because Deanna helped to invest in it, is actually kind of my own integration story in the form of music. Yeah, so um, I actually, in the season where I was coming out of college and transitioning into seminary, went through a really dark season in my own life, Um, had some mental health struggles and really just felt very numb and dead in my faith. And um, coming to seminary (laughs) was kind of like the Lord's neon blinking sign. I was like, this makes no sense. I feel totally dead about everything in my life. And he was just like, he opened the doors for me to get here when I hadn't planned to be here. And so it was the next right step, the one that was obvious and I took it. Um, And so like the Lord healed me through my years being here at seminary and growing at Embrace. And um, it was probably two to three years after kind of the the hardest months of that experience for me, where I felt like I came to a point where I was able to say, okay, Lord, I feel like I can put all of these experiences into who I am. So the first music that I released when I graduated college um, was a really, it was a different person (laughs) who wrote those Mm -hmm. songs. And so I, I came to this point in the midst of my own struggle where I said, I don't, I don't know how to sing those songs anymore, who I am now. Interesting. And I don't know how to sing songs about who I've become. And I felt like music was something that um, left my life for a period of time because I I wasn't myself for a period of time. And so when the Lord began to give that back, it was the songs on this EP that started coming out of me. And so um, it was when I presented my story about that time of struggle and how the Lord had begun to redeem it in front of my church community. And I shared these songs as part of that that the Lord actually put the desire on my heart to, to put them into a new album and release them. Um, and so my ability to live integrated um, is kind of reflected in the fact that those songs have not just been birthed out of me, but have been shared with the world now. Uh-huh. Um, and I think being willing to say, like, as as the songs on the album will reflect, like, part of my story is lament. Part of my story is saying, God, like, I feel dead. And if you don't bring me back to life, there will be no resurrection. Uh-huh. Like. 
if you're not good, then there is no hope for me. Right. Like that's reflected in, in a couple of the songs on the EP. And so just my, my willingness to say those things out loud and then to sing those things and then to release them into the world has been part of my own journey of living yeah. integrated. Yeah. To share, you both share in different ways, your, your struggle, your surrender and the joy and the continual sanctification process, like yeah. the, just the continual redeeming as, as we learn new things about ourselves. As you guys wrote the book, so I really like this quote from Father Gregory Boyle. <laughs> I love Father Gregory Boyle. I was so excited when she used that quote. <laughs> and he said, it's not our job to reach the broken. Rather, it's our job to let them reach us with their brokenness. How does writing this book help you all do this? Can you read the quote again? I feel like I just got so excited. I need to hear the actual words. Sure, again. sure. It's worth repeating. Yeah. So he said, it's not our job to reach the broken. Rather, it's our job to let them reach us with their brokenness. How does writing this book help you both do that? And for you, Christina, it may be the book and your music. Um, feel free to talk about both. But how does how does this book and your music help or allow the broken to reach you all? I think it's just one more medium, one more... Um avenue where people can see like oh my goodness like um i'm like uh this isn't me being an alcoholic or this isn't me being broken this isn't me being traumatized like like this is a part of maturing but i need to get to my next step how do i do that um and so often they'll reach out to me personally um they'll write letters or messages and my husband you know kind of go through with my mentors on uh, and with God, like on who um, on who we get to answer, you know, because some, not all of them, have the best intentions. Um, but it, it's one avenue where people can connect, and then either they they come to me, they go to God, or there's other resources in my book. Um, now I don't know that that actually answers like like that question as far as like them reaching me like to the depths of my soul. But I think it just keeps us in a place of. Um, one of my favorite verses is um, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Mm. And it keeps me in a place where I remember like me too, me too. Um, like I like I'm never far above. And, um, you know, I saw the best picture the other day and it was something like, you know, you see someone who's overdosed and I see someone who God wants to help. And you see someone who's nodded out and I see someone that God loves. And then it was like, you see them and I see me. Oh, wow. I was like, I never want to forget. Mm. And so like, like I, I see me and everybody, I see someone's child. Now that I'm a mother, oh my gosh, like I'm a pretty strong T and J on the, <laughs> on the Myers Briggs. Uh -huh. And so like any type of overwhelming of feeling typically is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I have kids, like I'm so like at a moment's notice, like ready to cry because like everybody is somebody's child and I love my child so much. Mm -hmm. And so now I connect on an even deeper level. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 No, I think everything you're saying is, is so true, Deanna. I think maybe kind of in similar words to that Gregory Boyle quote, instead of going up to someone and saying, you're broken, going right. up and saying... <laughs> that doesn't usually work. Right. Like going up and saying, I'm broken. I have been broken. Yeah. 
Like, mm-hmm. there's a safe place for you here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what Deanna's book does. I think she's hospitable. I, I've said that already, but she creates safe space mm-hmm. where if it's safe for her to tell her story, then it's safe for you to have a similar one or a different one. It's safe mm-hmm. for you to own your story mm-hmm. because Deanna walks in ownership of her own story and her own life and has chosen to allow it to be rewritten by God's hand and her partnership with God's hand and and if that's possible in the space that she's created in this book, and, and if it's possible for me to tell my story through my music, then it's possible for people who encounter those stories to say, well, maybe what I have experienced matters too, and maybe I can become mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. through this and in this and beyond this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a reminder not to take God's grace for granted, which I think I think it's sometimes easy to do, and also to realize that it takes intentional behaviors and habits to create new habits. Like, it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, As you said, showing up leads to growing up, and that freedom, gratitude, and joy are not feelings, but Mm -hmm. actions and even practices. So what is it like for each of you to live free? I think it comes back to that trust. Um, One of the things, so that that section that you just quoted um, from Father Gregory Boyle Mm -hmm. um, is from my mentor, and uh, she also had mentioned, you know, something that she had learned from another podcast or uh, was that, you know, how we trust God, like, is reflected in our whole lives, right? Um, Like, it's our love language back to God, how we trust Him, and and I think— our actions show how much we trust him. And so mm. I may not always have it right, um, but I genuinely um, trust him to teach me and guide me on the way. Like, like he doesn't expect me to be a fortune teller, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, and even like, like prophecy for me sometimes is just um, having revelation of Jesus Christ and, and the person that he is and, and the person that he is in me. And so it's not always like, here's your, your next thing or, or, you know, it's just literally the, the abiding. And I think it's in the abiding that we can live free because he gives us just the amount of visibility that we need to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, and, and while I know the end destination, I don't necessarily know every road I'm going to take along the way. Right. Right. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you said abiding. That's been a huge word and image and reality in my growth and my journey of sanctification as well. In fact, that was like one of the main concepts that I I was working with when I wrote the first group of songs. And so then I was like, but now what does it look like in my life? (laughs) So learning to live free for me on the other side of kind of this really dark experience in my my own life um, has looked like allowing myself to recognize God's compassion for me and to have that compassion for myself. So actually the last song on my EP, it's called Dust to Dust. Um, and it kind of reflects this journey the Lord took me through of, of bringing together this picture we get in the Old Testament from um, you know God breathing life into Adam, the dust of the ground for him to become human. And, and then we get Ecclesiastes 3.20, you come from dust into dust you will return. And and then my favorite verse that I learned in my ministry undergrad that, you know, I still always point back to when people ask what sanctification is, 2 Corinthians 3.18 um, talks about how as we behold the glory of God, we're being transformed from glory to glory mm-hmm. into the likeness and the image of Christ. And so the Lord invited me to, in my own integration process, recognize that this trend or this um 
movement from dust to dust and this movement from glory to glory happen simultaneously. And so that we are always moving from dust to dust while also becoming more glorious. Mm -hmm. And so there are days that we're going to feel more dusty and there's (laughs) days that are going to feel more glorious. And it's not because we're failing and it's not because we haven't tried hard enough and it's not because God suddenly doesn't love us. But it's because we are at the same time both dusty and glorious. Mm. And so like him allowing me to kind of bring those two trajectories together and to hold them together in my own life um, has been a real invitation to compassion for myself. Mm. And um, so living free has looked like recognizing that some days (laughs) I don't feel like I can sit down and study scripture and get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. Some days I just need to receive. I need to sit and be quiet and like read one psalm over and over and allow it to just kind of settle my soul. Mm -hmm. And the practices that bring me life on this side of that dark season of my life are not all the same. Like there used to be things that brought me life that don't bring me life anymore. Mm -hmm. And I felt guilty about that for a while and I tried to make it work. And I just realized that there are more ways that are possible to connect with God. And and I realized that he wasn't disappointed in me if I didn't come to him the same way that I did. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all about the coming. Yeah. And there are different methods to come. And also in what you guys are saying, uh, learning to ask for help too, because I'm guessing that neither of you did or are continuing to do your journey alone. And I think that's that's a really important thing too. Yeah, I think having accountable community has been a huge step for me. Actually, it wasn't until I was in a small group at Embrace and I sat down with the women. This was like in the season where I still felt like I was really numb. I started leading a small group and I'm pretty sure I told them, I was like, I don't think I'm in the shape to be a leader right now. And (laughs) and the people who were doing it were like, just, just give it a try. I sat down that first night at the small group and I was like, I just want you to know that I feel really spiritually numb and I don't think I have much to offer you, but I'm willing to go on this journey together. And I just wanted you to know where I'm at. And so like, (laughs) it was an incredibly healing way to begin not only that experience for me, but for the group in general. And having a small group accountable community has continued to be really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And see, there's that authenticity I was talking about. It's that authenticity that leads to being able to invite someone like Christine in, in the journey. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I feel like I feel pressure when I'm in small groups to be, to be the thing that I, that I think I should be, to be the person I think I should be to start out with. And so I just really appreciate that so much. And I'm like, hmm, can you lead my small group? <laughs> really? I mean, that takes practice, though. Like, there are times that I still want to hide and that yeah. I don't want to be honest about where I am and what I need. So yeah. we're all growing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because the show is called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, what is one practice that is helping you thrive in your life right now? So it's funny because I, I asked Matt this question, my <laughs> husband Matt, and I was like, what do you think that I do that allows me to thrive in your life? And he's like, well, you read your Bible every day and and you always pray. And I was like, yeah, but like everybody does that. And that's kind of <laughs> like, like, isn't that like the Sunday school answer and stuff? And I thought about it and I was like, but you're right. Like, if you read the second book, like, you will see, like, I have prayed every step of the way because, like, like I've 
you know, I used to have this this pillow that said pray big and um, and I had it in the dorms and me and the girls would get together and we would pray big about what we actually had on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And, and I never wanted to discourage anybody from being exactly where they were with God. And as we do that, like he will change those desires and make them more like his and, and all of that stuff, but we never have to hold back. So, so I've always prayed exactly where I was and, um, and I felt almost discouraged from it uh, as of late, you know, like reading some different books and some different like, you know, comments and stuff about my relationship with God. And then I just went right back to like, like I do life with God and like, yes, I do it for him and I live under him and like all of this stuff, but I do life with God. And so, so that is like pray without ceasing, rejoice always and continue to give thanks. Like those are the things that allow me to thrive. And as for reading my Bible, you know, like it's just like I came 28 years um, in into my healing journey completely deceived. And so it is important to me to continue to remind my mind of truth so that I know what's counterfeit when it comes my way. And so mm-hmm. I think those are just two things I, I continue to have to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's or I beautiful. get to do. Yeah. There's two things I get to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Christina, what about you? Yeah, so I am still on the journey of rediscovering new practices that are life-giving to me. And I, I recently, yeah, I, I think it's something we need to keep doing because we're not the same person in one season to the next mm-hmm. sometimes. So um, I've recently discovered an app that has been really helpful for me. It's called the Dwell Bible app. Mm-hmm. And it is like an audio version of the Bible in like 16 different voices and eight different versions. And um, they have different reading plans and you can also just go straight through books. But the whole heart behind creating this app was that the creators thought about the fact that for centuries, the way that people engaged scripture was to hear it. Mm -hmm. And um, I really just felt like my soul kind of took a, a deep breath when I heard that. And I was like, I just need to hear it. Like, I need to receive it. And so I remember I was sitting across from a counselor at one point in my own healing journey, and I was explaining to her that, like, I couldn't prayer journal anymore, that mm-hmm. I just, like, it was painful to prayer journal. And she was like, do you think that's because you're still trying too hard? Like, you're performing and you're producing something and you have to produce it well enough. And and I was like, oh, maybe. And she goes, what if you just need to figure out how to receive? And so I feel like this app just lets me receive the Word of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Especially after, you know, five years, I did a dual program at Asbury, two master's degrees, five years. After five years of writing the papers and studying the scripture and producing the things, you know, I'm, I'm only a year and a half on the other side of graduating now. Just receiving scripture has been so life-giving mm-hmm. and has yeah. really just helped me to thrive. Yeah, that's beautiful. Now, I have to know, is Johnny Cash one of those voices? Because I did just find out that there's... I have no like, idea. you can get um, Johnny Cash can reading you really? the, the Bible. Oh. That's pretty funny. Yeah. No, but I heard from my friend who listened to it with me that the voice of David on the podcast is also the voice of, like, a French detective on, like, a BBC show or something. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys sharing, not just in the podcast, but the sharing your faith in throughout the whole podcast, but especially in how you guys are thriving right now. It's just been really encouraging to me, and I just appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, anytime. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Deanna and Christina. Just really appreciate their honesty, 
authenticity, and the way they're both committed to growing in their faith and as whole persons. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, and be sure to thank Deanna and Christina for being part of today's show. As always, you can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Asbury Seminary. Until next time, I hope you'll go do something that helps you thrive.